Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Cameron Aitchison Labar, and I am the 154 program coordinator. And I am very delighted to be joined today by the 154 program curator of our New York edition here in Harlem, Novella Ford. Novella, please take it away and introduce this wonderful session you've put together for us today. Thank you, Cameron, and thank you everyone who is joining us. Um, it is a gorgeous day here in Harlem. I hope the same for you all, wherever you're tuning in from. Good afternoon and good evening. I'm glad that we could come together across seas and bridges to kick off the forums as part of 154 Contemporary African Art Fair located in Harlem this year. As mentioned, my name is Novella Ford, curator of this year's forums, and I have the good fortune to live here here in Harlem, as well as work uh, in Harlem at the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture. And just to give you a little sense of the center, we are part of the New York Public Library. We're one of the largest uh, repositories of archives, over 11 million items, and we're dedicated to the collection, preservation, and interpretation of global Black experiences. That includes art and film and manuscripts and so many other things. So. Uh, it was so wonderful and honored to be invited to curate this year's pro, uh, forums. So this year's forums, they take their inquiry from the Harlem Renaissance writer, County Cullen, and his poem, From the Dark Tower. And the first line of it reads, we shall not always plant while others reap. And in that, Cullen acknowledges a legacy of Black labor that has not always benefited communities directly connected to and impacted by that labor. And today, you know, I, I've been at the fair probably every day thus far that it's been open. And you can see some of the steady beat of progress that has been happening. I've met um, Black women who are gallerists, who have been gallerists really less than six months. They're representing uh, artists from the African diaspora and are doing really well. And so the opportunities that are happening for gallerists and artists um, and to be able to basically eat from the things that they create um, more steadily is really a beautiful thing. And so what I wanted to do and our goal today and throughout this weekend is to locate current ideas and cultural production by artists of African descent within a lineage of Black political, cultural, and intellectual engagement that has cultivated what we're considering today's uh, Black cultural renaissance. So I am grateful that we get to begin with one of our greatest thinkers, poet and theorist, the scholar Edouard Glissant, who hails from Martinique. Uh, we will hear from one of his devote um, uh, followers, I, I call Tiana, um, and she will give us a little bit of grounding in his theories and we'll be able to understand a little bit more of Johanna Mirabel's work through that lens. I mentioned both of their names. They are two incredible women and I'll give you a little bit of their background. Johanna Mirabel is, French, is a French artist of Guyanese and Caribbean origin, currently living and creating in Paris, France. She is described as a painter and sculptor whose work explores the contradictions and complexities of cultural identity. Johanna is one of many artists who are showing at 154 in New York. Uh, she's represented by the gallery Veronique uh, Rifle. So I encourage you, if you are in New York City, uh, to come up to Harlem and see her work in person. I know you may see it online. Uh, it is even more breathtaking 
uh, in person and take a, take a little bit of time to contemplate the details. She is also the winner of this year's 2022 Rizal Art Prize presented by the International Studio and Curatorial Program, uh, as well as the 154 Art Fair. So we'll have a chance to visit with her, uh, hopefully in October when she's here for uh, that program. Next, we also have Tiana Webb Evans, who will lead us through this conversation. She's someone whose intellectual curiosity is only matched by her kindness and ability to connect deeply with people. She is a builder. She is the founder of ESP Group, LLC, a brand strategy and communications consultancy supporting international clients across art, design, and hospitality industries. She is also the founder and creative director of Yard Concept, a cultural platform dedicated to fostering consciousness through the engagement of art, design, and community. And most recently, the founder of Jamaica Art Society, an initiative designed to support Jamaican art professionals and celebrate its visual arts his legacy. Before I turn it over to them, please visit 154's website to learn more about our upcoming forums. I'll make sure to place uh, a link in the chat. With that being said, please welcome Johanna Mirabel and Tiana Webb-Evans to our virtual stage. First and foremost, thank you to 154 and friend and curator Novella Ford for putting together this wonderful series of programming. Um, and for those who will be in person to Long Gallery for hosting, um, in-person talks today and tomorrow. I will say that Novella is one of those people that if she calls, I answer. Um, and thank you for your sort of, you know, intellectual labor um, and what you've given to our communities over the years. So it is an honor um, to be part of this program here with you. And Thank you for the wonderful introduction to Joanna Mirabel's work. Um, Joanna, I just want to congratulate you first and foremost for um, this wonderful art prize that you recently won. We are excited to have you um, join us here in New York in a couple months. Um, so, you know, just to give some background um, and not go into <laughs> a lecture on Gleason. We are going to touch on some of his, you know, key ideas that show up in Joanna's work today. But before we do that, for those of you who might be new to Glissant and have started to see or hear his name, I just wanted to share, he's a Martinican poet, philosopher, and novelist, um, born 1928. He passed away in 2011. Um, he was a student of Amy Césaire, um, the father of the negritude movement and an active participant in the thinking and debates around blackness, knowing, being an identity, um, along with his counterparts, Franz Fanon, um, Senegalese president and poet, Leopold Senghor and Leon Zamas. The movement, the negritude movement was really influenced by the Harlem Renaissance um, as we know, you know, Ellen Locke, uh, Garvey, Langston Hughes, or Neil Hurston, on and on. So there is no mistake that um, this forum and this fair is taking place in Harlem um, in this iteration. And also surrealism, you know, the 20th century avant-garde movement of art and literature that sought to release creative potential um, of the unconscious mind. And, you know, What's really interesting at this juncture, additional context, 
is the fact that the Venice Biennale entitled The Milk of Dreams is taken from a book by surrealist painter Leonora Carrington, who also, you know, was born um, a couple, about a decade before Glissant, but also passed away in 2011. Um, surrealism, in terms of kind of a forum, formal movement um, has resurfaced because we know that we're all in a state that requires new tools, new faculties um, for survival, uh, greater dimensionalization of self. Um, so there's no mistake that uh, these conversations are back in the forefront and someone as interesting and exciting and subversive um, as Glissant, whose approach to human relations is, you know, deconstructivist in terms of identity and it's an inspiration um, to us both. So let's explore Joanna's work, um, experience and practice and find out why. Um, you know, this is a rather funny question given Glissantian thought, but we always like to have some sort of grounding to help people understand who we're speaking to. Um, Joanna, would you mind telling us a little bit of your origin story? Um, and how Glissant has entered uh, your world and your life? Yes, sure. Um, well, first of all, thank you very much, Tiana, and thank you very much, um, Cameron and, and Elsa Novella for the introduction. And thank you more generally, 154, you know, for the event and not only the prize, but for giving me the opportunity to, to talk about my work since I haven't been able to, to make it to New York. So. Um, I'm very glad to have this opportunity to talk with you. And um, when it comes to Glissant, I would say that it has been a long road. You know, this is not the first um, author I've been influenced um, by. Uh, you mentioned um, Yemi Césaire, which is basically the first author I really read when I started, you know, um, trying to, 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 to learn more about my practice, you know, and the relation it could have with my, my culture and my you know, identity. And um, I was very interested first um, by, um, um, you know, the, uh, the negritude concept has, it's something, you know, that's very helpful, um, has, it's not reduced to, um, how can I say, has an African um, Caribbean and with this history of slavery, it was very interesting to search something before and not to be, you know, reduced to this episode. And for that, Negritude was very interested. But at the same time, as it was recreating um, a link with Africa, um, I felt like something was kind of like missing and I needed to complete, you know, um, and do more research. Then I've been very interested in Franz Fanon, uh, which is, you know, another Martinican author and um, his work, mostly with, um, you know, uh, black skin, white masks, uh, which is, you know, more like a clinical approach uh, about culture, history, how it's influenced, how our behaviors has a uh, Afro-Caribbean. And that was very interesting as well, interesting, sorry, as well, but it was less inspiring. You know, it's very clinical, almost like um, a medical study. And then I arrived to, um, to Edouard Lisson, which, you know, um, his work was also like, as he said, philosophy and also poetry. And it was very comforting because it felt like he didn't have to choose when it comes to identity. Um, his work about creolization and what he calls the um, rhizome identity, it means that you, you know, you can 
um, assume part of your history, part of what you know, um, when, in when you know, even if it's painful, but you also can acknowledge that you won't be able to to recreate everything that something is missing. You know, it's like assuming the loss, and it has been very inspiring. You know, as um, his theory, but also has some kind of you know um, pictures and visual influences for my painting works actually. Thank you. So one of the things that I wanted to get into, if we're thinking about the rhizome, um, which conceptually is one of my uh, favorite sort of ideas around his work and builds the architecture really for a lot of things that I do and a lot of the projects that I pursue. And the idea of this rhizome, you know, from his famous, famous work, Poetics of Relation, is this idea of this creolization. You know, the idea of the rhizome versus the, you know, static root is that everything that touches it, say ginger under the ground, it, it's going to be reshaped and changed. Um, so there's always this movement, this interbeing, this bending um, with other plants and roots and interactions. And, you know, I'd, let's use this idea to talk about the forces that have shaped you to this point. Um, you live in France, France, you're born in France, but also there are identity points that are, you know, Francophone Caribbean. Um, so can you talk a little bit about what islands and places most influence your work and why? Um, yes, um, as you said, you know, I'm from, um, well, my mother is Caribbean and especially she comes from, um, she, um, she comes from, sorry, Guadeloupe and Martinique and my father is a uh, Guyanese and he lives over there. So, you know, since I'm a child, I've always been, you know, in this between France, well, Paris and Guyana, French Guyana. So um, in terms of visuals and, and culture, it has been very important. And for instance, you can see yes, um, Cascades, which is one of the first painting I've, I've made. Uh, and it's just the choice of colors. I've been deeply influenced by, you know, Tembe, Tembe art, which is uh, a typical Guyanese art. It's an abstract art. It's not like what I do, but in terms of color, the fact that it's very, you know, very strong and very identified colors, it's very, it has been very influenced um, in my work. and. I would say that's, you know, um, the fact, you know, being in a place like, because I've studied in the Beaux-Arts of Paris, and which is, you know, um, a big institution with a long history in terms of painting representation. And it's impossible for me when I first arrived not to think about it, not to think as a Black woman, as an African-Caribbean, um, what I was supposed to do who I was gonna, you know, represent and how I'm gonna to do, it. I was gonna do it. And I think that, yeah, in these terms, um, Gleason has been very helpful as well because it was like, um, assuming the fact that, yeah, I know, you know, my origins, um, I know what has, you know, been a deep influence in terms of, you know, um, how can I say, landscapes, for instance, and architecture, but also um, I've been kind of like shaped by some kind of um, teaching at school, some kind of you know um, learning of um, the painting history in the Beaux Arts of Paris, and basically I've tried you know to create a relation between all those things in my painting. In terms of the painting, you're known for your interior scenes and the exploration of interiority, and there is this 
conversation, this continuous conversation between um, flora and greenery and plant life and this interior space. You know, Glissant is known for using metaphors that are in nature, whether he's talking about La Lézard, you know, the river, or he's talking about the mountains. He's always looking at how this interbeing nature affects human culture and psyche. Um, can we talk a little bit about how these relations play out in your artwork? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, and I like it, you know, I like to mix interior and exterior. And that's the reason why the spaces seems to be, you know, always kind of like open. It's never completely closed. You always have some kind of um, opening or things that seems like they're building or destroying. And it's always, you know, um, kind of like moving. And the nature is important as well. You can you saw that on the, the previous um, picture, but um, you know how can I say? You had this water, for instance, which was depicted in a different style than the other part. You know, with the bathroom, and I like to mix. You know, um, a nature that seems more you know from the outside, more I I don't know in French we would say savage, and. Uh, a nature that seems more like under control. You can see that with the plant, for instance, it's always a mix with plants that seems to be um, inside and the, 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 the vegetation, the plant that you will see more like in a, in a, in the forest or something like that. And it's, it's very interesting to me because it's like talking about the interiority, but not only has something intimate, it's more about something we all, we, we share you know, um, the fact that you can just create a space and put some details, some objects, and it will feel like home for a lot of people. You will recognize the function of the, the space. And so it, will, it won't seem as exotic, as you can say, um, has, you know, um, the, the outside of the, the Guiana or something like that. So I'm always trying to mix that to, to bring it to something more, you know, closer for, for people. And it's always about this um, kind of like equilibrium between um, people, the relationship they have with their own environment, not only cultural, but more generally their environment. What I think is interesting about what you said was the idea of the familiar and the exotic. And something that Glissant is always talking about is the importance of the relation and the removal of the, the concept of the other. So that interbeing and interrelatedness, you know, the idea of the creolization and the rhizome as an antidote to, you know, static rootedness and that rootedness gives birth as you know to war and binary and and ego this idea of you know on a grander scale supremacy but we also um engage in that behavior right so when we root ourselves in these static identities you know we're frozen so i think it's really interesting um to look at the idea of this relationship between our migratory patterns, whether forced or chosen, and our choice of flora and fauna, because they've also, they meaning the plants, have had some of the same kind of um, pathways and movements um, and have to be inside as well in order to, to survive and be protected and become something else out of context, out of their sort of, you know, original context, you know, so I think it's really interesting um, 
that, you know, you really touch on the exotic. And one of the things that we talked about was when you were in school and painting um, in, in Paris, you know, you being um, one of the few Black women in these courses as a painter um, and just going through the idea of, of subject, can you talk a little bit about why you have chosen these scenes and what you're sharing in terms of these very intimate um, sort of day-to-day moments? What's the yes. power in that? Yes, sure, because as you said, um, exotic is something I was, you know, kind of like scared about because um, I believe that, yeah, exotic is just a way to to talk about the distance you're placing between, you know, yourself and others. And that was very obvious, you know, when you're, when sometimes you're painting something, some, you're sometimes you're painting some, you know, bodies, people, people are not used to see in those kind of paintings um, in school. And they will assume that you're talking about uh, things, you know, which is not a bad thing um, in, in, you know, in itself, but it becomes really problematic when you feel like, you know, your own representation is reduced to oppression, violence, and that kind of thing. So I was very, um, it was very important for me to paint, you know, women in my environment, women sometimes look like me, sometimes they think it's me, but it's my twin sister, for instance. Um, other artists, black women I've met um, at school and people, you know, we um, have had those conversation and I felt they were, you know, they, they need yeah, that room in those, you know, in those places. And I believe, yeah, that was very, very important. and. Um, you know, to recreate a new imaginary for those people in my paintings and to, 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 to make sure, you know, that they're allowed in those, you know, in this space, in an institution like the Beaux-Arts of Paris, when you're, when you're working in, in those places, you can see how you feel excluded and you really don't know how to, to, um, to connect sometimes with teachers or, you know, um, yeah, the, the, the collection sometimes. And so that's the reason why I'm working with those models. Um, there are friends, you know, there are people I know, people I see almost every day. One of the things that I notice um, in terms of their expression, you know, I don't know if it's rest or melancholy. Can you speak a, a bit to the expressions? Sure, well, I think um, it's um, the, how can I say, the reference to melancholy, I think is because, you know, I've I've watched a lot of uh, classical painting uh, last time, you know, copying when I was um, at the School of Brothers. So I guess, you know, this type of representation, this type of, you know, um, um, iconography is very uh, present in my work, but mostly I would say that, you know, I like um, to paint people who seems to be resting or, you know, um, kind of, how can I say, figuring out, trying to figure out where they're supposed to do, how they can, you know, use these tools, um, interact with the environment, but yeah, the, the, the idea that uh, what they're doing doesn't have to be too obvious and that sometimes you don't really know and that there's this, you know, um, how can I say, this this um, moment of um, of uncertainty of uncertainty, sorry, um, is very important in my work as well. You know, and this is why I'm very interested. I was very interested in Glissant as well. It's like um, you can you can accept the fact that you won't get everything at this moment. That there are place of you know unknown things you cannot completely figure out. And I think that's why you can find this expression of on many of my models in my paintings. 
Right. And I think that that we have been, especially in American context, I know in other places, you know, especially in a Caribbean context, that uncertainty and that beauty and that pain and that joy are all like sitting with you simultaneously. In American society, there's a lot done to protect people from innumerable amount of realities, right? Yeah. One of the things that really interests me in in this work, also in Glissant's work, is that comfort in uncertainty. And he talks about the idea of, you know, opacity, you know, Mm -hmm. and not knowing and having, you know, the idea of transparency is right. This push um, philosophically towards categorization, right. And, and that kind of static rootedness, but this idea of this fluid, um, this fluidity and this kind of shade of gray and not knowing understanding that people have the right to not be known, right? And that's okay as well. And I think it flies in the face of a lot of contemporary culture, right? Because everything is about that transparency. It's about knowing whether we're talking about supply chain or on social media and people think they know you, they want to know all of the things. This um, can either be seen as translucence or shading, you know, depending on how, how the individual looks at it is really interesting to me because I think that, you know, going on, you know, year two and a half in this pandemic, um, this ongoing pandemic and raging uncertainty, um, I think it's, it's detrimental to try to control it, right? So Glissant gives us the idea and the frameworks for releasing ourselves. Another part of that is the idea of the identity as peoples who have been part of traumatic history in the transatlantic slave trade. There are things, there's a break, right? There are things that we will never know. And I think also the privileging of the fact that we are this third thing and many things um, that are constantly being acted upon. I think Glissant gives us some sort of uh, comfort in exactly who we are right now, um, yeah. you know, which is, can we, can we go back to the image before? Um, but I do want to touch on the movement, you know, and one of the things I was thinking about is, you know, you starting to talk about your process because you kind of defy the principality of the canvas. Like the idea that when you paint something on canvas, it's supposed to be this like static thing. And the movement and the change in your work um, is very, very special and very pronounced. So can we talk a little bit about that that transformation, that movement, that change, how it relates to Glissant and how you go about creating it? Yeah, um, yeah. As you said, you know, this there is those questions of you know opacity versus what is you know transparency, and you know to take you know quite technically, this is how I work usually. You know, I'm gonna put you know some colors with you know different. Um, it's gonna be more or less thick. So there are always some place that will be transparent and other that will be completely you know recovered, um, and different kind of texture. Um, because yeah, to me, this is, you know, um, how can I say, to relate to Gleason, I think when you talk about opacity um, and the fact that, yeah, it's about finding, you know, discomfort in being yourself, I think it's also about freedom, freedom to be who you are and freedom to, to move, to change, 
um, you know, in uh, uh, in relation with people you're going to meet one day. And uh, another part that uh, is very important in the construction and, you know, the feeling of something moving or something not completely stable is um, the fact that, you know, I put uh, different um, perspective in one in one picture. So this is always something that is quite sensitive. So you can feel the space, but it's not completely logical. And you can see that you know um, the the models seems to be you know kind of like falling or you know in a very um, fragile posture. And and yeah, and I think this is how I, I relate to to Gleason as well. Um, the fact that you know you you can move and sometimes um, you can feel comfortable in being in a very uncomfortable place um, in a place where you know there is history as I said of um, of north or and that kind of thing. You can you know take those things and turn them into something um, new or even, you know, there's a notion of beauty is very important in his work. And I, I think that was very, you know, um, a way to me to transform the things, to transform representation of those people. Um, and, you know, another part of my process when it comes to movement and time is the fact that, you know, I, I film the model. It's not, this is not just one picture and you can see that in the painting that is, uh, that is shown, um, especially with the, you know, the character who's sitting, um, you know, I film the models and I recreate the, 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 the posture with different moments of the frame, um, which makes, you know, this sensation of, you know, something quite moving or not completely logical and, that's that's how I work. Oops, sorry, I, I can't hear you. Can we go on to the next um, image? And then the next one, let's go to the uh, process images. So, oh, stop here. So can you just talk a little bit about where this detail kind of lies in in the process and how you go about um, creating these these effects. Yeah, as I said, you know, it's um, it's always about keeping some some um, some area um, rec not recovered. You know, when you can see what's happening uh, under, when you can see, you know, uh, more like organic. Um, part of the painting, you know, when it seems like it's almost accidental, you don't, I don't have a complete control uh, over, over the medium. And at the same time, you know, it's just next to um, details, which are, you know, very precise, very, um, very figurative. And always, you know, this is about this, um, the ground, the floor, which is, you know, not completely stable, which is not um, completely done. There are always places when you can see uh, where you can see um, under, and at the same time, you don't really know because it's a mix between different um, pictorial expression, uh, zone that are more abstract, um, just next to very, um, very realistic zone. And this is in this uh, very specific um, example, how I work. And also, you know, um, the thickness of the painting is very important. Some places are very, uh, are very thick, other are done with different techniques. I know that um, you've won awards, um, you know, everywhere from the States to, to Paris and to Tokyo. Um, have you studied in Japan? And if so, has there been an influence of Japanese art on your work? 
Uh, I haven't studied in Japan. No, I, you know, as I said, um, I won a prize and I've spent uh, a few, a few weeks, uh, a few days, sorry, over there. Um, I haven't, you know, studied specifically uh, over there, but I was very interested in the representation of perspective in some, uh, you know, um, East, um, how can I say, a prince, Japanese prince, and you know, the construction of the perspective has been quite influential in some, some paintings, not all, but no, I haven't studied over there. I, I see I see the line and that's why I was I was very curious because there are a lot of things that that come up. So in terms of you know sort of where you are now and sort of looking towards you know coming to the states, um, where are you finding inspiration today? Well, um, architecture is a very important you know um, influence because you know um, I'm working as well. In, on some project with my sister, um, which is, you know, she's an interior architecture. And, you know, going from one space to another is very helpful to figure out, you know, first of all, the function of the space, which, you know, what, make it, uh, what makes it, sorry, um, um, a room, you know, how can I say a living room or a sleeping room or a bathroom, you know, it's just very, very precise details that we come on, you know, not only, not universally, but things that are very, very shared. And so, you know, the space I'm going uh, usually um, are very influenced are a big influence when it comes to architecture, first of all, and then it's about um, the people I meet, um, especially women, you know, you know, other artists uh, that I use as model. As I said, this is a long process thing. This is not just one shot. So I hope, you know, I will be able to build that when I be, you know, here in in October. Um, first of all, with the architecture, obviously, um, the history of the territory and and uh, the people I'm going to meet. <laughs> I'm going to meet, sorry. The other question, um, can we go to the last uh, two slides? So can you tell us a little bit about, about these shots? Is this part of your process? Yes, exactly. Yeah, because sometimes people um, wonder, um, you know, if I'm painting those person in in um, in space that I know in space that you know exist. Well no, I usually do that on the set, as you can see, which is completely neutral. And I film them. So this is not just one shot. It's uh, uh, different images when I ask the people to move from you know one one uh, one side to another and just to to act, you know, to sit, to do, you know, very, you know, basic things. And I do that for two reasons because um, first, you know, I get more pictures just by doing, you know, by filming them, not only taking one shots. And there, this is less under control. You know, it's more natural. People are not, you know, like too too much. Uh, um, they don't know what's gonna be the image I'm gonna use. And also um, because you know, it's is part of you know what I was talking about when it comes to the relation with the duration, uh, the moment, and the movement in uh, in the theory of creolization. The idea that things are never completely fixed, that you know this is a mix of different moment, different um, space. Fantastic. I, you know, and in with that, you know, sort of end. Um, I think one of the things that we do want to take away from this is that openness. You know, um, Octavia Butler, just to bring in someone else who I'm, you know, forever engaged with and fascinated, you know, with is, you know, God is change. And you see Glissant, 
saying the same things and you start reading across um, these different sort of uh, disciplines and, and people and experience, whether you're thinking about, you know, Buddhism and, and interbeing or the creolization. I mean, all of these are sort of um, antidotal explorations, you know, trying to get us to a place where we're able to save ourselves, we're able to save, save our planet. I mean, this sounds very, very lofty, but there is just this sense of um, kind of pressure and disruption that we're all in the midst of now that this type of work um, actually kind of brings us into a space, into a comfort with that movement um, and with that um, sort of ongoing change. And I think Joanna, what you're doing, um, I'm always looking at art as, as something that's an active thing, you know, it's, it's not passive, you know, and sort of what you're doing is helping people, giving people a visual sort of stamp um, to kind of, it's almost like a coping mechanism, you know, how does, how do I exist in this constant churn and change? And how do I open myself to be more flexible, um, more changeable and less, less of a holding on to, um, which I do think is what we need collectively in order to, to move forward. And with that in mind, um, we are opening the chat to questions. Um, we would love your questions uh, for Joanna. So please let us know um, if you have any burning questions for her. Well, I'm going to ask a question <laughs> since everyone's being quiet. It's very sunny here. So I don't know if it's the, it's the sun that has everyone sort of um, um, quiet on the horn, but more so, um, Joanna, in terms of, of palette, can you talk a little bit more about um, your palette? I know that you talked about the tembe, but, you know, how has that how has that evolved over over time in terms of where what you're investigating now? Yes, well, um, as you said, the first um, influence was the tembe art um, with this palette, you know, of blue, yellow, and red. And then it has been, and you can see that um, more um, the red ochre, uh, which is really maybe the most um, emblematic colors when it comes to Guyana because of this, you know, red. Um, how can I say? Um, it's not the the floor, you know. I, I don't. I forgot the word. Is it sorry. soil? Is it mm? soil? Is it is the soil red in Guyana? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Um, so um, this is, you know, why I've used this color, you know, red ochre. I mixed it with uh, it's sienna terra with uh, with ochre, red ochre, and I like it because, yeah, this is really the color that reminds me the most um, Guyana. And also, you know, this is, you know, this is creating, I think, um, an interesting dialogue with um, um, the representation, you know, more classical in some paintings with um, la sanguine. That kind of that kind of techniques. So that's the reason why I really, you know, now this is with the palette I use more. And it's interesting because, you know, with that red ochre, there's always, you know, seems to be, you know, there's blue. Um, and especially if we go back to the to the first image cascade, um, if you guys don't mind for a moment. Um, one thing that is also very Glissantian is that was well, just Caribbean in general, our relationship to being in the sea, 
you know, we're in the sea, you know, not the sea being next to us, but the sensation of being um, beholden to this changeable um, force, you know, of the ocean. So can we talk a little bit about um, the sea in this particular work? Yeah, in this particular work, as you can see, you have two representation of the, the sea or the water. Um, on the on the left side, you have you know this the sea, which you know would look like what you can see uh, on the beach or you know on the river. And on the on the right side, in the in the bathtub, it's really you know almost different um, language. And you know, and this 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 was very something I thought when I was reading um, Gleason, the fact that sometimes has you know with your own history you need to be able to use a language that was not made for you, and so that's reason why you're gonna see different you know type of language pictorial language to describe the same thing in my paintings in this part you know the water um, as you can see that when you're you know from Caribbean and the water in another you know in another configuration. Right, I, I, I'm, I'm completely taken by um, this image because you know this intervention of, of the sea and that unknown and the changeable nature of it and the fact that she seems like she's unstable. I don't know if it's a, you know, if, if there's an outside natural occurrence or if you know, there's something that's kind of interdimensional happening. And then on the right, the interdimensionality is the subject versus the sea seems very static. So that juxtaposition is is quite gorgeous. I don't know if that was intentional or or not. Yeah, with, you know, quite, you know, because that's the reason why I, I've named it cascade, um, because in French, you know, um, cascade means as well, you know, the waterfall and at the same time, you know, the the, the performance, you know, like you're going to to, to fall, but you're, you're kind of like you know pretending, and that's the reason why I, you know I was working on that. There's you no know, this um, how can I say this mo this movement you you're you're gonna you're quite you know this is gonna happen, but you don't know exactly how, and so that's the reason why I you know this is always this tension between what is known, what is not completely sure, and in these paintings it's you know different from you know the others because this is a bath uh, a bathroom first, but yeah that's the reason why. Um, we have a question um, from Petra and she says, thanks a lot for the beautiful conversation. I was wondering how does the current Parisian art scene embrace artists of color at this current moment in time, as well as, you know, as well as are there any visible move in terms of museums and they're dealing with African, African Caribbean and other subjects, as well as paintings, including black subjects. So that's a two-part question. What's going on in the Parisian art scene um, for artists of color and are museums responsive to artists of color at this time? Well, um, for Parisian scenes, I will say that um, things are a little bit changing now, for instance, in schools, uh, like the, the, the Beaux-Arts de Paris, you have more, you know, more teachers, uh, I believe you have uh, um, some teachers from different ethnicity and, um, you know, that's quite uh, different from when I was there. And also you can see that with the students, uh, with the students, sorry. Um, I don't know exactly, you know, you know, you have some events, you know, which are really um, um, interest focused on the African uh, or, you know, diaspora uh, artists, um, maybe not 
you know, not every time, not a lot, but I think I think things are changing for definitely uh, for the best. You know, you have uh, you know you have other fair, other uh, other events, and uh, I guess you know that's interesting. And you can see um, some you know some very famous um, uh, galleries, you know, which were more you know known in uh, in America, for instance. I'm you know I'm thinking about Marianne Ibrahim, you know, who's opening his hope opening when I was space who has opened in space last year um, in uh, in Paris so you can see things are changing and I can definitely feel that you know there are more events uh, with uh, black artists and uh, you know African artists definitely thank you and Petra just so you know she is chiming in from Czech Republic um, which is incredible mm -hmm. thank you for joining us Petra um, and this question is actually more so for Novella, um, you know, she wanted to know if there are other programs that are going to be um, recorded. So with that in mind, Joanna, I think we're um, close to time if no one else has any additional questions, um, but we just wanna thank you for your extraordinary work um, and your thoughtfulness and your um, determination to kind of move everyone forward in terms of their thinking and way of being. So we can't wait again for you to um, come to New York. We will embrace you with open arms, but until then be well, and I'm gonna turn it over to Novella. Yeah. Thank you so much, <clears throat> Johanna and Tiana. This was such a beautiful conversation, a great way to kick off our forums. Um, I didn't say it in the beginning, but Tiana and I are like bookish people. And so we are folks who trade. Uh, the conversation is always about what are you reading? And so I appreciate it. Um, being able to hear from artists and creatives about how um, literature is also in scholarship and such as impacting the work that is happening or how they're thinking about the world today. And this couldn't have been a better conversation um, for that kind of ideas. Uh, to answer Petra's question um, out loud, this talk is recorded and the other programs will also be uh, audio recordings and they'll make them available on the 154 site at a later date. So the other programs will not be um, available in real time for those who wanna tune in um, virtually, but they will be made available later. I want to say thank you to our audience checking in from all apparently all over the world um, and certainly invite anybody who is here in New York to join us at 4 p.m. here at Long Gallery. That's where I'm broadcasting from and behind me is artwork by Preston Sampson. Uh, and this is the location for all of the other forums. At four o'clock we'll be speaking with Dinga uh, McCannon talking about textiles and uh, Black arts movement and the work that she's been doing and being recognized, being an artist, even when the rest of the capital A art world um, may not be paying attention to you. And I think that is some, that for me is part of what um, Blisson is also talking about, right? Like there, there can be this opacity, you can live in, in a lane um, <clears throat> and, do, and do this work. And, and frankly, other people will catch up to you if they're smart enough. So thank you again to everyone who joined us and have a great Saturday and we'll see you again soon.